Let me pray, and then uh, we'll look at this passage in Ezekiel together, okay? All right, let's pray. God of heaven, Savior, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, we love you and we worship you. And we thank you so much for opening the eyes of our hearts and causing hard unbelief to become soft in, in believing. Oh God, I pray you would draw men and women to yourself on this wonderful Lord's Day. Help us as we look at your word and think about your word. That we might grow in our knowledge. That our faith would be more and more established in the truth of your word. I ask these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our priest and Savior. Amen. <clears throat> so I wanted to I wanted to look at this passage in Ezekiel with you because I've, I've been thinking about the subject of contentedness, Christian contentment, which is actually a, uh, I believe it's a difficult discipline learning Christian contentment. It really is one of the great needs in our lives, learning Christian contentment. And I believe one of the ditches, one of the ditches of, of Christian contentedness can be apathy. And, and we can spiritualize apathy. In other words, it's possible for someone to believe the lack of anxiousness, the lack of care, is content, contentedness. And so as we look at this passage in Ezekiel together, what I'm hoping to do is that the scripture does teach us to, to learn to be content and, and rest in the Lord while we are incensed and discontent in ungodliness and in unrighteousness. And so the passage we're going to look at is going to potentially create some conflict in your mind when you think about what it would mean to be a content Christian and not. But let's look at this together. Um, we're going to uh, start here. Let's just start at the beginning of the chapter 9, Ezekiel chapter 9. It'll give you enough context. And we're not going to be here a long, long time, but, but read with me. Then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. Suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his side. They went in and stood beside the bronze altar. So this is a vision being seen. This isn't people in the city of Jerusalem who are coming out to hear the, the prophet or anything like this. This is something that Ezekiel is, 
is seen. So these six come out and they're armed. They're armed to kill. And one of them is dressed differently and has a different instrument with him. I'm not 100% sure what a writer's ink horn is, but obviously it has something to do with his ability to write. Okay? Keep reading. Now, the glory of the God of Israel, in verse 3, had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with the linen. There's the one who can write. He had the writer's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. So to help you make some discernments and some distinctions here. This is in the city of Jerusalem. There's the, the, the person who can do the writing here, the special angel who's going to do the writing, is in the city of Jerusalem, and he's told to note what he hears among those in Jerusalem. This can be a, a type of the church, which has both believers in it and unbelievers in it. Not capital C church, but I'm talking about professing Christians and, and, and non-professing Christians. Jerusalem is this picture. You have everybody there is a Jew by birth, but even the Lord Jesus says, not all who are born of Abraham are of Abraham. And so there's always this mixed group of people, or frequently this mixed group of people in mind here. And so the, the angel who can make the, the mark is told to go and make a mark. So look again there at verse 4. The Lord said to him, go through the midst of the city. Go around the place where, where all of these sons of Abraham dwell. Through the midst of Jerusalem, put a mark on the foreheads. Take note of these certain ones. Make sure we know who is and who is not like this. Of whom? Who are we speaking about? The ones who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. There are men and women living in the city of Jerusalem who are, they're grieved. They're heavy hearted with the sin that is accepted and that is commonplace in their city. There are people who are very heavy hearted and have taken a strong notice of what's wrong with their city. And so listen now, the text presses on here from verse 5. To the others, he said, in my hearing. So the other five, he says, go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare. What are they going to kill with? The other five are going behind the one making the mark. The five are carrying something with them. What is it called in your translation? My translation said it's called the battle axe. It's a weapon of war. So they're going to go through and they're going to kill who? Who is being killed? The ones who won't sigh. The ones who will not be moved or incensed with what is wrong in Jerusalem. These other angelic beings are told and to go and kill. 
Let not your eyes spare, nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men who will not sigh or cry. Maidens and little children who will not sigh and who will not cry. And women who will not sigh and will not cry. But do not come near anyone on whom is the mark. Those are the ones who have been sighing and crying over the abominations that are done. And begin at my sanctuary, begin right at the temple, begin at the place that is the dwelling place of God. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. Then he said to them, defile the temple, fill the courts with the slain, go out. And they went out and killed in the city. So it was that while they were killing, I was left alone. And I fell on my face and cried out and said, Oh, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel and pouring out your fury on Jerusalem? And then he said to me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. And the land is full of bloodshed and the city full of perversity. For they say the Lord has forsaken the land. That means he's left the land. He's, he's no longer paying attention to it. He's no longer interested in it. He's forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. And as for me also, my eye will no, neither spare, nor will I have pity, but I will recompense their deeds on their own head. Just then the man clothed with linen who had the inkhorn at his side reported back and said, I have done as you commanded me. Uh, the subject for you to think about as we prepare to meditate and then pray together as a congregation is to think about the worshiper who will sigh. What I want you to realize is we're, we're not to look on evil, we're not to contemplate what is wicked and wrong in this world and pretend it's not wicked and wrong. We're not to ignore it. We should actually learn to be better discerners of what is right and wrong. You and I should be clear-headed in what is righteous and what is unrighteous. God doesn't expect a Christian to just kind of put his head in the sand and pretend everything's good and fine. I just thought this was such a great reminder. Christian contentment is a trust in the Lord's justice. Christian contentment is a trust in the sovereignty of God, and yet the heart of Christians must share the heart of our God who is not content with unrighteousness. Our God hates unholiness and unrighteousness. And it is wrong for you and I to call just what is unjust or one of the other prophets says it is wrong for you to call bitter what is sweet. Righteousness is sweet. The purity of God is sweet. And when you dislike it because it seems unfair or too rigid or too narrow, that's, that's you calling bitter what God has called sweet. So let's take a few minutes and prepare our hearts to worship today.
prepare our hearts to have one mind with our Lord and bring our requests to Him and, and to pray to Him. So let's take a couple minutes and pray together.